0: Well, I'd like to ask you this morning to take your Bibles and turn with me to the last Psalm, Psalm 150. During the course of the semester, we have been working through our study here in Psalms entitled Encountering God. We started with the first Psalm and today we'll end with the last Psalm. There are, of course, 150 of them. And so my encouragement to you is to make these Psalms your friends. When my wife was diagnosed with cancer in 1999, my family had to get off the road traveling and as we continued, I continued traveling as an evangelist. I spent many, many lonely nights uh, living in our fifth wheel trailer in church parking lots. And I'll tell you, it's a lonely place to be in a church parking lot in the middle of the night by yourself And I remember many, many nights crawling up in bed feeling alone. And it was during that time that I just decided each evening before I would go to sleep that I would just read through the Psalms. And I would read through the Psalms to the point where I felt like I got at a point of of peace and trust in the Lord. There are 150 Psalms. You say, which ones do I read? It doesn't matter. They all work. And read them until they just, over your heart and your soul... Bring comfort and peace and direction in your life. As we come to the last Psalm, I'd like us to read it this morning, because the book of Psalms begins with a promise when we read in Psalm 1, it said, blessed is the man, or happy is the man. And now it ends with a praise. Praise ye the Lord. So let's begin this morning as we read in verse 1, where he tells us to praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise Him in the firmament of His power. Praise Him for His mighty acts. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise Him with the psaltery and harp. Praise Him with the timbrel and dance. Praise Him with string instruments and organs. Praise Him upon the loud cymbals. Praise Him upon the high-sounding cymbals. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Between the first psalm and the last psalm, we have a life that encounters God. And what do you say at the end of a life that has known God and walked with God, what do you say? You say, praise the Lord. So Psalm 150 is a climactic conclusion to an ultimate end. It is the end of a life that has encountered God where everyone and everything praises God. And so this morning I'd like us to look at this final psalm and I'd like to look at it in in a way where we ask basic questions that sets forth for us a biblical pattern of praise. That God's people should be in the habit and the practice of praising the Lord. So the first question I'd like to ask this morning is what does it mean to praise God? Look at Psalm 50 verse 1. He says praise God ye the Lord. This is not a command or an imperative. This is called an interjection. It's a, it's, a, it's a statement with an exclamation point. And then the Hebrew, the word for praise ye the Lord is one word. And you know that word. What is the word in the Hebrew? It's a universal word used in all languages. It's the word Hallelujah. And the word hallelujah comes from, first of all, the word hallel, which means to praise. And the word yah, J-A-H, is a shortened form of the word Jehovah or the word Yahweh, which refers to the Lord's personal name. And so you can read it this way, hallel, you, ja, or yah. Or you can say it this way, you praise the Lord. So what is Praise. Well, it, it's like the light that radiates from the sun. It conveys the idea of shining. It also has the idea of cheering or shouting or clapping like what you do at the conclusion of a great concert. Uh, a number of years ago here, we had on the campus the Korean Children's Choir. They, were, they held a concert over in Rodehaver. They were spectacular. It was, it was incredible. All these Korean children singing and all the songs were in English. And they, they, they did so many different things. And at the end of the concert, the entire audience without any cues literally erupted in praise. They jumped up to their feet. They were clapping. They were shouting. And then to top it all out, the, all the Korean children came out in the audience and they gave everybody a hug. I mean, it was absolutely incredible. We praise them. It's the idea of boasting or bragging about what someone has done. So to praise is to extol enthusiastically the greatness of someone or something with words of excellence. And there are two interjections in this psalm. In the first phrase where he says, praise ye the Lord, and the last phrase where he says, praise ye the Lord. It's like it's like the bookends. And in the middle, there are ten imperatives that are given. Or if I could say it this way, commandments, where he says, where he says, praise him in the firmament, praise him for his mighty acts, praise him. You can count them out. There are 10 of them. And basically what he is saying is praising God is not an option. It's an obligation. It's both something that we delight in doing, but it is also our duty. And the greatest truth about God is that he is worthy to be praised. And the deepest truth about ourselves is that you and I have been created to praise him. We were made for his praise. Praise ye the Lord. So first of all, what does it mean to praise God? Then secondly, where do we praise God? And he tells us in verse 1. He says, praise God in his sanctuary, praise him in the firmament of his power. Number one, he says, praise God in his sanctuary. Now, in the Old Testament, the Jewish people were commanded to praise God by going up to Jerusalem and worshiping him in the temple, the holy temple or the sanctuary. Psalm 100 and verse four says, we are to enter into his courts with praise. Now, today in the New Testament, it's different. Remember what Jesus said to the woman at the well? You've worshipped here in Jerusalem or you've worshipped on this mount, but I tell you the truth, the day will come where you will worship me in spirit and in truth. Where is God worshipped today? First of all, we know that the Lord's presence dwells in every individual believer. 1 Corinthians 3.16, you are the temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells in you. So first of all, we are God's temple. We therefore are to be worshiping God. Secondly, the Lord's presence not only dwells individually in the life of the believer, but he dwells corporately in the body of believers called the church when we gather together for worship. Ephesians 2.22 In him you also are built together into a dwelling place for God, By the Spirit. So we are called to worship God on earth as we meet with his chosen people in church. Therefore, we both are to personally worship God on a daily basis. We talk about having time in the morning to read the word. What is that? It's actually a time of worship. It is getting my heart tuned up. Our hearts are like instruments. We get out of tune. Sometimes we get flat, sometimes we become sharp. In either case, we have to calibrate our hearts to the Lord. We have to take time to tune up. That's why we read our Bibles, because we get our mind and hearts focused on worshiping God. But then secondly, we're to worship God corporately as the church assembles together, as the body of believers come together on Sundays. That is to be a time of worship. So we praise God in the sanctuary. But notice he says, praise him in the firmament of his power. God is also to be praised in the vast expanse of heaven. All of heaven is a, di- is a display of God's power. Psalm 19, 1, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth his handiwork. And this kind of awesome display means that heaven is a place of praise. If you go to the book of the Revelation, You see them around the throne of God. And what are they doing? They are worshiping the Lord. They are saying worthy is the lamb that was slain. And so we are to praise God up there and we are to praise God down here. Praise ye the Lord. Praise ye the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise him, all his angels. Praise ye him, all his hosts. Where do we praise God? We praise God everywhere. We praise God in the classroom. We praise God when we get our tests back, no matter what happens. We praise God out on the field of competition. I remember when I was playing soccer in a secular university, I decided that I wanted to use the field as a place of praise because on a soccer field, it becomes a place of cursing. And people get mad and they curse. They curse God. They curse each other. They curse the opposing team. And I decided to respond differently. I've been on the field when a guy said, Jesus, I said, do you know him? He's the Lord. You should see his look at me. Or when we scored a goal, I praised the Lord, praise God. Praise God everywhere. Praise Him in the restaurant when you bow your head and thank Him for the food. Praise Him in your car when you're singing to the songs. Praise Him at home. Praise Him in nature. Praise Him everywhere. Where do we praise God? Everywhere. There is no limitation to the place where His image bearers should not proclaim His praise. And then number three, why do we praise God? And the Bible tells us here, we praise God, first of all, because of what he does. Look at what he says in verse 2, praise him for his mighty acts. God's might has been displayed in multiple ways, but two ways specifically. Number one, God has displayed his mighty power to us in that he has revealed himself to us. We have his revelation. For example, Daniel praised God because he understood that the ability to interpret King Nebuchadnezzar's secret dream was due to God's wisdom. God gave him the ability to understand. Listen to what he says in Daniel 2:19. Then was the secret revealed unto Daniel in a night vision, and then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. He praised God for his revelation. You and I should praise God because God has given to us the revelation of himself. And where do we find it? We find it in the Bible, God's word. This book unfolds Jehovah's mind. This voice salutes in accents kind. This fountain has its source on high. This friend will all your needs supply. This letter shows our sins forgiven. This guide conducts us straight to heaven. This charter has been sealed with blood. This volume is the word of God. One of the greatest truths of our life is that if we have been saved, we have had our eyes open to who God is The Holy Spirit has come to live inside of us, and now we can read this Bible and comprehend it, not only mentally, but in our whole inner being, we can come to know and trust God. Praise the Lord. Man, I remember as a young Christian sitting there reading my Bible early in the morning and having a sense of the presence of God and the joy of the Lord filled my heart because I could understand God. I could know Him, praise Him for His mighty acts. But then secondly, God's might is displayed and how he rescues his own people through prayer. Listen to what the Bible says in Psalm 20, verse 6. Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He will hear him from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. How many of you have ever had God deliver you from something in your life that was a threat or a danger? In the summer of 1978, I was working as an intern in my church in Denver, Colorado. I was living inside the city of Denver, serving there, but my parents were living south of the city of Denver in a community called Parker, Colorado. And so I would go out and visit them on the weekend or whenever I had free time. And it was about a 45-minute drive to get there. You take the interstate south and you get off in those days on what was known as Lincoln Street, Lincoln Street kind of connected you over to the city of Parker. Lincoln Street was a very narrow two-lane, you could call it a highway, but it was more like a road. And in that part of Colorado, when they would have floods, oftentimes the roads would be washed out. And as I was driving home one day, it was a torrential downpour of rain. I was coming down um, a, a hill on this very narrow road. And be honest with you, I wasn't paying attention to how fast I was driving. I was actually singing in the car, and the rain was coming down. And I looked up ahead, and I saw cars coming, and I put my foot on the brake too fast. And suddenly, the car began to aquaplane. Literally, it's like the tires just sort of lift up off the road. And suddenly, my car started to sort of slide this way with the back end coming to the right side. I saw the oncoming cars. I knew something was wrong when I was doing this with a steering wheel and nothing was happening. And honestly, I got to a place where I did not know what to do. The car was coming. There was a telephone pole on on my left hand and literally I threw my hands up in the car and I said, God save me. And I shot down the embankment between the oncoming car and the telephone pole and hit a barbed wire fence and stopped suddenly. And it dawned on me that I was okay. And I started laughing. I didn't know what else to do. I'm not going to cry. And I lifted my hand. I said, praise God. Hallelujah! Praise the Lord. Now, that's a long time ago. 1978. I mean, that's like 44 years ago. And I feel like I'm still sitting in the car. How many of us have ever had... Many times in our life where God has reached down in mercy and he has saved us. Praise God in the way that he has displayed his power by rescuing us. Our generation is called to praise God for His mighty acts. Psalm 145, verse 4. One generation shall praise thy works to another and shall declare thy mighty acts. You are developing right now experiences in your life of God's delivering power where you praise Him. And you will tell the next generation. You will tell your children what God has done for you. We're to praise Him for what He does. And secondly, we are to praise Him for who He is. Look at verse 2. He says, praise him on the basis of or according to his excellent greatness. We are praising God for who he is. The word excellent there refers to abundance. The word greatness there speaks of the magnitude of God's glorious attributes. We are to praise God for the greatness of his faithfulness to us. For the greatness of his mercy to us. His mercy is beyond our thoughts. We're to praise Him for the greatness of His daily grace in our lives, for the greatness of His love for us, that His love is set upon us in eternity past, manifested in the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, revealed to us through the Spirit of God coming to live inside of us, and He's put His love in our heart. We're to praise Him for the greatness of His righteousness and His holiness. And we're to praise Him for the greatness of His wisdom. O Lord God, Thou hast begun to show Thy servant, Thy greatness, and Thy mighty hand. Deuteronomy 3.24. So why do we praise God? We praise God for what He does and for who He is. And then number four, how do we praise God? And notice what he says in verses 4 and 5. He says, praise Him with... The timbrel and dance. Praise Him with stringed instruments and organs. Praise Him upon the loud cymbals. Praise Him upon the high sounding cymbals. We are to praise God in times of worship with music and singing. These two verses here describe some of the various musical instruments that were used in temple worship by the Levitical priest. Do you realize that the meaning of the word psalm refers to a song of praise that is accompanied by a stringed instrument like a harp? Fact is, the idea of a psalm is the plucking of the strings and the singing unto the Lord, like David did when he was a shepherd boy out in the fields. And here David lists different instruments. There were three types of instruments they used. Number one, they used wind instruments. He says, such as the trumpet or a ram's horn, or what they call a shofar. Psalm 2 Samuel 6, 14, David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. The psalm also mentions what we what it says, organs in the King James, but they're really piped instruments. It could be a flute. It could be a penny whistle, a clarinet, an oboe, a bassoon, a saxophone. All of those are wind instruments. The second are stringed instruments. The Bible speaks about the psaltery and the harp and to play skillfully on a stringed instrument. Uh, The psalm here mentions the harp. We know David was a cunning player on the harp. We know that the harp along with the pipe are the earliest instruments mentioned in the scripture. For example, Genesis 4.21, it says, Jubal was the father of all those who play the harp and the organ or referring to the pipe. So wind instruments, stringed instruments. And then the third category are percussive instruments. That's what a timbre- timbrel was. It was like a tambourine. It's linked to dancing as an expression of joy. If you've ever been around Jewish people, they always dance and they're, they have religious dances. We're not talking about dancing to uh, you know the latest pop music. We're talking about religious dancing. It's religious celebration. If you go to the the city of Jerusalem and go down to a Shabbat service. That is a Friday night service. And you watch the Jewish men come down, their arms a link behind each other. And they're, they're, they're literally shuffling and dancing and singing as a form of rejoicing. The Jewish people had many celebrations where they celebrated with joy. During the Feast of Tabernacles, it is said that he has not seen, he who has not seen the joy of tabernacles has never seen joy in his life. Loud symbols, high sounding symbols that have whether a, a sense of a crashing cymbals like we use in orchestras today or the smaller cymbals like a castanet. In either case, we know that worship in the temple was sometimes quiet and subdued. But oftentimes it was loud and it was noisy. There was great rejoicing. So let me try to give you a big picture of the music in the temple. You can go through the New Old Testament and see this. David invented and organized the musical ministry in the temple worship. It started with David. David had musical instruments made to praise the Lord. There were 4,000 Levites who were employed as musicians. 1 Chronicles chapter 28, verse 5. Of these 4,000 Levites, at any one time, 288 were chosen to sing in the Levitical choir. Now I want you to think about that. If we combine all the choirs here at Bob Jones University from the youth singers all the way up to the chorale, we don't have 288 people. That is a massive choir. And this is just not a bunch of people who get together occasionally to sing. These are musicians who were considered to be professionals. We read in 1st Chronicles 9:33 and these are the singers chief of the fathers of the Levites who remaining in the chambers were free for they were employed in that work day and night they practiced all the time so that they could have music of the highest and the most excellent quality think about it if we give sacrifices of excellence should we not bring sacrifices of praise with excellence. If you work hard to make your music excellent, that is music that brings glory to God. And the high point of the worship was actually the sacrifice. And each sacrificial action had its own musical setting and was specifically selected from the Psalms. So for this sacrifice, they sang this particular song. And the entire intent of the music was to magnify the Lord and to focus on the sacrifice. The purpose of worship in music was never intended to entertain. Now, it doesn't mean that it doesn't bless and inspire and uplift and edify us. But the purpose of it is always for the glory and the praise of God alone. We sing for the audience of one. So, how do we praise the Lord? We do it with song and we do it with music. And then finally, who is to praise God? And notice what he says let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. God is to be praised everywhere we are because of everything he is, with everything we have, by everyone. Psalm 150 finishes where we started. We started with God, meditating on his word. We become blessed and happy through that. And the end result is we sing praise to the Lord. And so this great book of Psalms ends with one word. And it is the word hallelujah. Praise ye the Lord. From the rising of the sun unto the going down of the name of the same, the Lord's name is. Is to be praised. So I ask you one simple question. Are you praising the Lord? I'm dead serious. Do you throughout the course of your day. Just lift your heart up. Say God I praise you. God thank you. God you're so good to me. Lord I don't deserve this. Thank you for this, thank you for this, thank you for this, thank you for this. It's the greatest cure for for griping. It's the greatest cure for complaining. It's the greatest cure for the blues. Don't sing the blues, sing the praise of the Lord. And it will lift up your heart as you lift it up to God and give him praise and glory. Let's all stand together with our heads bowed and eyes closed as we dismiss Would you take time right now in your own heart to say, thank you, Lord, I praise you. I praise you for who you are. I praise you for what you've done. I praise you, Lord, for you have revealed yourself to me. I praise you, Lord, for your word that you've given to me. I praise you for your salvation that you've placed within my heart. I praise you that you have adopted me into your family. You've named me as your child. You've reconciled me back to yourself. You have redeemed me from bondage and sin. Thank you, God, for your gifts. Thank you, God, for all that you've given me. Praise the Lord. Lord, we give you praise and thanksgiving for who you are, for your excellent greatness, for what you have done, how that you have not only revealed yourself, but you constantly rescue us in your mercy. Thank you, Lord, that you have given to us Jesus Christ, the revelation of God to man. Thank you, Lord, that you have given us your mercy and help us to be people of praise who praise you at all times. Thank you, Lord, that you've given us the book of Psalms, that we can know you and understand you. And we give you praise for all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.